1: Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy, Devin Hassan, and Kendrick Johnson, gentlemen. It is Monday, and as per usual, that means we got some high school football to talk about. We got two weeks left in the regular season, so um, we are right at the uh, at the juncture of the year when it's time to start brushing up on those tiebreakers you know, maybe comparing those head to head records as we uh, as we inch closer and closer to the finish line with respect to the uh, the playoff picture and whatnot. So uh, we've got two games left, two weeks left. And um, you know, obviously, plenty at stake as far as district titles go, the playoff equations go. So we're going to focus primarily on that. You know, for the teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention, fortunately, you get laid to rest this week. So uh, we will, um, yeah, we're just going to kind of bounce around. We'll start over in uh, over in six A and um, Devin. We can talk about a couple of your districts because uh, District Ten Six A was certainly a, a high priority district last week on the podcast with Saxey and Lakeview Centennial being named game of the week. <laughs> sure enough uh, yeah that game didn't disappoint had a uh, had a pretty uh, had a pretty wild finish first off I have to ask was it a catch
2: you know, I, like I say, I, I've seen two different videos. I've seen photos. Uh, <laughs> you think Like it's a brutal frame by frame. From the press depiction box of it. You couldn't really get a good uh, angle. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was in the was corner. Uh, there, there, was, there was one uh, picture that was awful, and
3: they were, they were trying to prove their point. It was so blurry, and you yeah. couldn't even touch. It, yeah, I, it, yeah, like, it is. It's, it's, it
2: went out all weekend. You know, of course, everybody at Sachs says it was a catch. Everybody at Lakey says it wasn't a catch. Um, the one photo I did see, um, and, and they, they brought it the point. He did. He did look. Like he had it, his arms underneath mm-hmm. the ball. Um, but again, I, I you could probably show me ten different videos, and there wouldn't be conclusive evidence either really? way. Um,
4: How's it ruled on the field
2: eventually? Oh, you know, the, I mean, the I mean, officials. I mean
4: I mean, I mean, I mean, at first, I know it wasn't. Vichy, the the
2: Vichy. officials didn't rule anything for about thirty to forty-five <laughs> seconds. They got they got together, they talked, they talked. No. Everybody's you know just waiting around, and they finally ruled it a touchdown. And obviously, there's no no replay in, in high school, so uh, what they say goes. Um, but, yeah, it capped a really bizarre, crazy finish. Uh, you know, Lakeview looked like they were in control. Mm-hmm. They're up 14-10. to 10. Uh, They're just trying to make Saxie burn their timeouts, and then it was a wet night. Uh, you know, the fumbled exchange between the uh, quarterback and the center uh, set Saxie up at the mm-hmm. 30-yard line. Saxie still, again, had to convert on 4th and 10. Credit to them, they did it, uh, and that set up the play on 3rd on down. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, that that'll be one of those that uh, that'll be debated for quite some time. But uh, certainly a huge win for Saxey because that allows them to stay in a three way tie for first place with Wiley mm-hmm. and Rowlett. Uh, it's, who, it's
4: just so. so lately, would, would Lakeview have had a chance for a district title?
2: Yeah, they um, they would have been tied for first place. They were tied for first place coming into the night. Nah, They're at three exactly. and two now. Um, but uh, close
4: close to Lakeview's my alumni. <laughs> that, one, that one is titled
1: before I was in school. We got all <laughs> sorts of we got all sorts of tensing
2: say here because you got Lakeview, you got Saxy, you got Garland.
1: So it's... I went to plan and we were just like 10 minutes <laughs> away yeah. from
2: Saxy. So yeah, I am about to say, you're closer to Saxy than <laughs> yeah. Lakeview Garland. Well, maybe not Lakeview, but.
1: It's just, I can't remember the last time that we covered a district where it felt like so many small, like, the margin for error in this district is so freaking high now in, in hindsight, just the little, the bang-bang moments, like, how many, like, how many sequences can you point to since district started that have, like, shaped this this ice-creamy headache of a playoff picture right
2: now? Well, yeah, I mean, there's seven games that have been decided by three points or less. That's insanity! And, and, and Rowlett is the king of yeah. the close game, as again, they, they survived Garland 26-24, to 24 that's their fourth game that's been decided by two points or less. And they have a 3-1 record? No, no. They, it's a 3-1 record in yeah, this that situation. Yeah, they one
1: How? How can they keep getting away with this?
2: They have two one-point <laughs> wins, a one-point loss, and then <sighs> a two-point win last week. So, so
4: have they played South
2: Carolina yet? Huh? Yeah, what?
4: yeah. Oh, because they got the on the win.
1: Yeah, so like <laughs> yeah. the way it looks right now, yeah, you have a, there's a three-way tie for first place between Saxey, Rowlett, and Wiley at four and one. Those three teams are one game up on Lakeview Centennial in fourth place at three and two. And then you'd even don't want to rule out North Garland and Neiman Forest. They're no. tied at two and three. It is like this one is li- literally going to go down to the absolute buzzer.
2: <laughs> it is, and I think you know you look at Saxey and Wiley. Um, they each have South Garland on their mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah, not to take him them- South Garland has been competitive at times, mm-hmm. but it's just you know they don't quite have the horses just yet um so you kind of got when you just look at the big picture you got to kind of pencil those in as wins um Sachse, of course has a rivalry game with Rowlett mm-hmm. at the very end uh which who knows was, <laughs> yeah well, yeah I, you know I think sexy you know is, is probably a little bit stronger but um, it's a rivalry game it, that game has gone you know a couple of years ago you just mm-hmm. said Sachse would be a four touchdown favorite and they yeah. had to come back from 14 points down in the fourth quarter to win it um <laughs> whereas you know Wiley closes um Again, with North Carolina, South Carolina, but that North Carolina game is going to be dangerous. You know, yeah. Wiley is—you know—they beat Name Force last week, fourteen to six. That was a close game. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, why, every game in this district has just been ridiculously close. And so, um, I think if you just go by you know the projections as far as we're going to consider a favorite, I think you look—you're looking at Saxey and Wiley finishing as co-champions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rowlett is four and one, but they they, they have a nice buffer. In, yeah. in terms of even if they could they have a tough game against Lakeview this week, yeah, um, and, and Lakeview could very well beat them, and then Saxe could very well beat them. But I, I, you know, at four and three, I still think that they're in. Mm-hmm. Be 14 um,
4: years
2: in huh? Fourteen years in a row. Yes, since well, 2000, since two thousand five, they've made it every year. Um, you know, Lakeview they close to Rowlett, and that game against in Force at the very end of the season mm-hmm. could be in, in, in essence for the for the top uh, or for the final playoff spots. Uh, you know, North Garland if they beat Wiley this week. You know, who knows because
1: which I fully expect, just because what else would you expect out of this district? No. Yeah,
2: because then then they close with garland, yeah. which is a winnable game. Yeah. and so then they that puts them at four and three. And then all the tiebreakers come into effect, and and you know that's, I hope you're ready, man. I hope you yeah. It is, and they have that 18 yeah. point yeah. cap, so. But, yeah. but again, every game has been so close yeah. that it's yeah, a lot of math to be done in 10-6A.
1: I mean, and we can get to 11-6A in a bit <laughs> yeah. because it doesn't look like that one has offered you any sort of reprieve at all, at least as far as those uh, those last couple playoff spots are concerned. Um, we can talk a little 9-6A just because we uh, you know will at least we'll get an idea of at the very least who the uh, who the number one who the top team in the district is going to be after Friday because. We'll finally get the Allen-Prosper game. You know, certainly the game lost a little bit of luster with Prosper taking the loss to Jesuit. Um, as it stands right now, though, Allen is in first place at 5-0. and o. Prosper and Jesuit gridlocked in second place at 4-1. and one. That was a three-way tie last week, albeit, though, after Jesuit was able to take care of Plano 34-26. The Wildcats have dipped down to fourth place at 3-2. and two. And that's where things kind of get interesting going forward, because as we were talking about earlier, Kendrick, like, everybody's still in. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> unless you're unless Perfect. <laughs> Unless, Unless you're, <laughs> you're Plano away, Unless you're Plano East. And, and I think Plano East has been technically limited as well. So, unfortunately, the hopes of, of Plano ISD uh, extending its playoff streak, they, uh, they rest solely on the Wildcats' shoulders right yeah. now. And
4: well, when, I cut you off, when you say realistically, uh, if, if, um, if Boyd beats Plano this week, that would almost guarantee a McKinney score gets
1: in. It could definitely... Off. Not
4: officially, but unofficially. Because, yeah,
1: we have two two games in this district that are going to... Uh, th- yeah, could potentially finish off the playoff picture, or it could just make things really, really murky heading into that final week because you have McKinney Boyd traveling to Clark Stadium and planning to take on the Wildcats. <coughs> And then you have McKinney in fifth place at two and three. They host Jesuit, yeah. and like so, like Plano still controls its own destiny at the end of the day. Like they so have those, so those Boyd. I think, I think they <coughs> that like the point thing. But I know
4: Boyd wins the two games against Plano and um, McKinney. They have a legit shot of getting in. The thing well, Plano. McKinney can win two games mm, and they
1: need some help. Yeah, the fly in the ointment would be in that case if Plano were to be prosper in the last week. Plano just needs a win, period, and they're in. They're three and two right now. They have a one-game lead on McKinney plus the head-to-head over the Lions. They just can't let McKinney pass them in the standings, and they're fine. And you look at what they have left, you know, Plano has Boyd Friday. On paper, it feels like the the Wildcats have the advantage in that one, but in the wake of what happened on Friday against Jesuit, there's been a bit of a development at a wide receiver for them that has me a little bit like, I still would favor Plano, albeit probably not by as much, just because... You know, a lot of we've talked ignazium about the the strides that Plano' passing game has made, and no doubt, like Oliver Towns has had, you know, the best year of Plano quarterbacks had and in quite some time. But um, you know, a lot of that hinged on the uh, the growth and the big playability and the ability to produce after the catch by guys like Nolan Williams, Jaden Chambers. There's a chance Plano might not have either of those two against yeah. McKinney Boyd. I saw them against McKinney High, and uh, Williams put on a show. He had like four or five catches, 118
4: yeah. yards and three tubs, and all three of them were over 40 yards.
1: And he has not played in uh, their past two games against East or Jesuit, and then against Jesuit, Jaden Chambers had a great first half. He had four catches for 106 yards in the first half alone, and then he injured his knee late it's in the that, second it's a, it's
4: quarter. That's affecting tough I, I didn't see them play since the McKinney game, but his stats. Well, He's very a, efficient against McKinney.
1: They were because the thing with Friday's game, it was like all of the games that we covered. It was a, the, the weather was terrible, so they weren't exactly conducive conditions for throwing the ball all too well and it took um i mean yeah when Jaden Chambers went down it took Plano's offense a good quarter and a half to just finally get something going through the air again you know they're having to cuz that's the thing like they get um they get good stuff from their tight end Christian Sabatini they're running back you know Talon Hines he was huge in the passing game as they as that, uh, as that went along he had two catches for 81 yards in the fourth quarter in two touchdowns um,
4: Get
1: that wh- man the ball. He's yeah, he's,
4: uh, he's a junior,
1: right? Yeah, just a junior. Um, but yeah, without Williams and uh, and Chambers, like just the uh, as far as finding like surefire proven production at the wide receiver position, they're definitely having to shuffle the deck around. So if they are going to be without those two, it's definitely going to be a bit of a different ballgame. They're really going to have to hope that run game, you know, wakes up. They had a really tough time moving the ball on the ground against Jesuit. Um, you know, we'll see how that kind of recalibrates things because Boyd's de- like the win loss record is not pretty at all for McKinney Boyd. But their defense does have. Yeah, yeah. They've shown potential I for sure. The top
4: 3 in the district. Could be right behind Allen, you retain when you look at cuz um they have a secondary with J fex and play wide. They've been very consistent. And um, their linebackers, um, Jimmy Fex is very underrated. He's like one of the top sophomore linebackers in the nation. He's like Sean Lee. He's always around the ball. And, like, um, when the saw- offenses, is they stay on the field too yeah. long. In the second half, I'm pretty sure if you look at the numbers, mm-hmm. they're way different from the first half to the second half. Like, he's on
1: the Jesuit. Oh, yeah, yeah, That was exactly why they lost the Jesuit game, Is the defense just could not get off the field. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely just a subplot to keep an eye on heading into that Plano-Boyd game. Again, Wildcats are probably the on-paper favorite, but the the math has changed a it's bit. 9 6 a. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so yeah. I mean, if they lose that game, though, Plano does lose that game, and if McKinney were to beat Jesuit, which again, like Jesuit has shown enough that like they're they should they should be able to take care of McKinney, especially in the way. Wake- you we of-
4: say to say that? Um- that it would be only fitting because like I know I've been coming to this district for three years and every year it's come down to last night. <laughs> like two years ago it was McKinney with the points and Boyd. Mm-hmm. Boyd won but not about enough points. Last year McKinney had the to beat Boyd in the street to get in. It's like it's only fitting that the final night of the nine six a season has some kind of drama.
1: It's certainly in play depending on what happens Friday this week because yeah, like I said, those those games are going to uh, the, so they can either finish off the playoff picture and we'll have Allen Prosper Jesuit and Plano, or we could just head into that last week and then it is just chaos. all sorts of chaos. So that's at least a look at kind of where uh, where nine six a is at right now. Um, Devin, we alluded to uh, to eleven six a and we know where the number one seed's going to be. For sure, Longview. Longview uh, just running away. They're undefeated. Haven't met a whole lot of resistance along the way. Um, you have Rockwall in second place at four and one. Um, we'll see if they get tested Friday against Mesquite, and you alluded to last week that you know Mesquite has the uh, the potential to perhaps give them a tougher game than at least we may uh, we may think. Um, what happened to Mesquite Horn? Because now all of a sudden that last playoff seed is a uh, it's but, getting juicy.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty clear cut because Longview and Rockwall are in. Mm-hmm. Um, barring really the only thing that could really make things just getting into tiebreakers is if Tyler Lee were able to upend Longview this week um that would be that would cause some chaos but assuming longview takes care of business you know this is a longview team that beat the second best team in this district 49 to three (laughs) so i'm not really forecasting uh, a huge upset but assuming Longview takes care of business uh then mesquite's in Mm -hmm. even you know mesquite has that tough closing stretch with rockwell and longview Mm -hmm. but even if they drop both they should still be in uh because if they if assuming longview beats tyler lee that will leave them and horn who needs to take care of business against north mesquite Mm -hmm. um They'll leave them tied going into the last game, and they played in the last week of the regular season. So it would be, you know, winner take all. Yeah. And so, you know, you know Rockwall, though, is, uh, you know, if Mesquite can knock off Rockwall, that, you know, they're, they're both going to be the Division One teams, mm-hmm. um, and that could be for seeding. Uh, but, again, they still have to close with Longview, and yeah. so that makes things dicey. But, you know, Longview is going to be the top seed in Division II. Um, again, so it really comes out of that last game between Tyler Lee and Horn where the winner's in, the loser's out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Where it is? Your, so, what's your current read right now, on kind of how you think things are going to shake up? Because obviously, again, that Horton Heath result definitely threw a bit of a, a bit of a fly in the ointment on kind of the projected order of things.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you know, Heath is one of those teams. Has been close. It wasn't like it's not like they've been run out of mm-hmm. run off the field in, in any of their district games. I mean, it was a tough game against Mesquite. You know, they've they've they played well. They played Rockwell tough. Um, but you know, they they also they went once they went zero four. That pretty much eliminated them from contention. Yeah. So um, they kind of reduced their role of spoiler. Um, But you know, so it's kind of hard to that game against Horn was was a good game. You know, Horn came up short, but they're, they're still again they they they're right there in position. They, they they play North Mesquite this week. That's a game they probably should win. And, and then you know, it just comes out of Tyler Lee. And Tyler Lee's been a tough team to figure mm-hmm. out. They had Mesquite, <laughs> they had them all game long, and then the Skeeters rally, and They mm-hmm. score with seven yeah. seconds left in a game that you know. And I, I said it a couple weeks ago that even before that game, I said this could be for the final playoff spot because Horn had already beaten Mesquite and. Um, Sure enough, the way it's shaping it up now—that's gonna really gonna. You, when you look at it, that—that's the game that clinched a, a playoff spot for Mesquite, mm-hmm. in is that furious fourth quarter rally.
1: Uh, let's see, we can close out with a look at District 66A, as we have the Lewisville ISD schools plus Capel battling for uh it's everything's still in play. Um, we do know for sure that um you know Marcus is uh, they're still undefeated in district. They got the big, the big uh, dramatic win against Flower Mountain last week in which they uh, they blew a 20-point lead and then they were able to muster one last <laughs> touchdown there late to pull um to pull off a 34-31 victory over the Jaguars. Um to re- I mean to return to the playoffs. And like we said, like this is a team that missed the playoffs outright last to, you know last season it's just the nature of that district you have five good teams and only four of them can make the playoffs um, you know we uh you know we've talked a bit about Marcus and the the, the strides they had made in the offseason as far as perhaps having a you know their most prolific passing game in, in quite some time and that certainly you know uh, has a uh, has borne itself out with with Garrett Nussmeyer having a spectacular season he's one of the uh, one of the leading passers in um, you know at the 6a level right now in the in the Metroplex they're um the, the transfer receiver that they got from I believe the Kansas City area J. Michael Sturdevant. He had an awesome game against Flower Mound. Um, their defense has been solid too. One of the better defenses. I think they actually do lead the district in scoring uh, in points uh, points allowed this season. They're um, yeah they're legit and they've got a chance to uh, to guarantee a, a share of the district championship with a win Friday against Irving MacArthur. Um, that's uh, you know the two marquee matchups though in that district though take place. You have um, Louisville against Hebron, so we'll finally get to see who the likely number two seed is in that uh, in that district. With uh, both of those teams tied at four and one, um, you know. Louisville, ever since dropping that first game of, uh, of district play to, to Flower Mound in a game that they, again, were 12 seconds away from winning. <laughs> I mean, so again, it's just crazy to think how, like, much like last year, the narrative on Louisville could be completely different. They could be potentially going for, uh, you know, back to back district championships if they've just been able to catch some, uh, some breaks there in the fourth quarter against Flower Mound. They've looked great ever since, albeit, you know, they've played the three Irving schools and have done as expected to them. They do have a 35 to 10 blowout of Capel mixed in there, so that's, you know, that's certainly meaningful. But, um, you know, but they have a, a, a tough close to the season with Hebron this week and then the Battle of the Axe next week with, uh, with Marcus um, you know with Hebron. they uh, said so they had the, the, the huge win over Flyerman that got him back on track after having a rough showing against uh, against Marcus. But then they have like last week they only scored 27 points against uh, what was it Irving Nimitz, I think Yeah
2: no, Ir- Louisville had Nimitz. Was it
1: then uh, Macarthur? Then? Macarthur. Okay, yeah. I get him confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was He's like, like somewhere <laughs> in school. <laughs> yeah, it was twenty. It was twenty-seven to ten, and, and again, like I said, there was bad weather. So there's a lot yeah. of stuff that happened last week that you're not entirely sure how much to truly buy into because bad weather can create a very uh, unconventional football, so to speak. So, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, the stakes are obviously very high for that one. The winner is likely looking at, uh, at the second place finish in that district, um, and then you have like the game between Capel and Firemount, which is very well could be outright for that last playoff spot. Because all of a sudden now, where it looked like Capel was uh, you know was walking wounded, you know, after losses to uh you know to Marcus and Louisville and Hebron and whatnot, they still have a chance. They're just one game just back just of flyermount in the standings. Flyerman's in fourth place at three and two. Capel's in fifth place at two and three. They're tied with Irving MacArthur also at two and three, so you technically don't want to say they're eliminated yet, but they do have Marcus and flyermount to close. So, so that's like
4: Silinazics say if 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 we get losses this week.
1: Yeah, it's It's going to be wild, man. See, all of a sudden, and now you have, uh, you know, Flyermount's offense had a really, really tough showing, at least protecting the football against Marcus. They turned the ball over four times, and Capel's defense has shown some that they can be a little frisky. Like, they were, they took Marcus to overtime, lost 15-7. to So it's, I mean, yeah, keep an eye on that one, because what looked like, uh, you know, looked like we had our playoff, at least the four playoff teams all locked up between uh, basically the Louisville ISD quartet. Um, But here's Capel. They've still got a pulse, still got a heartbeat. So I'm anxious to see how that one uh, one plays. Out on Friday, um, and yeah, that's just kind of a look at kind of where things are at right now. With uh, with two weeks to go for our 6A districts, um, still got plenty of to, to talk about with 5A, including for our student athlete spotlight. Because wouldn't you know, Frisco Heritage had a uh, probably honestly probably the best game in Frisco last week was Frisco Damn. Heritage and Frisco Liberty. This one went right down to the wire. What was the final score? 48-45 or something? 58-55. 50, Wasn't no, that's crazy? <laughs> An absolute shootout between Frisco Heritage and Frisco Liberty that included a game-winning <laughs> touchdown for running back Cameron. He had a huge game against, the, uh, against, uh, against Liberty, and he was the subject of our student-athlete spotlight. Brian had a chance to swing by a talk with Cameron on his big game and the Coyotes' big win, and we'll see what he had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast.
3: All right, I'm here with Frisco Heritage senior running back Cameron Rose. Cameron, thanks for uh, hopping on uh, the podcast. We're finally showing Frisco Heritage some love. Uh, finally, this season, man. So, y'all picked up uh, a big district win last week. Technically, it's y'all's second district win, but mm-hmm. first on the field. We won't, we won't talk about the Independence yeah. game, but you picked up a 58-55 win last week uh, against Liberty. Man, first, how crazy was that game?
5: Man, it was crazy. It was a lot of emotion in that game because earlier we got in a fight. And they were just kind of a chippy team. And they kept chirping and chipping And we just had to come out, fight. At the end, it got real crazy because it was a close game. And we had to hurry up offense. And it was just a crazy game. And it was a great win for
3: us. Yeah, what was that like to, to pull that off? You know, 58 55, such so a high scoring game. You don't really see games like that too often. You know, it's just a shootout. Uh, and then it comes down to the final possession, man. What, what was that final drive like?
5: It was really just unreal. But as soon as I stepped on the field with all my brothers, I, I knew we were going to get down there. I knew we were going to drive. And I remember the first play, it was a, it was an inside zone play. I got 15 yards. I was like, we're going to go down and score. Everybody was
3: in it. The receivers were blocking. All line was getting a push, and I just knew we were going to go down and score. Now, you filled up the stat sheet over 170 yards, three touchdowns. Would you say that was your, your best game in your mind of the season? You've had a lot of big games so far this year as a senior. I would say this
5: is my best game just due to the circumstances of the game, like high motion. One of our key players on defense got kicked out of the game. Everybody was on edge. They were all upset. Even I was upset and I just, because I usually can't keep my composure in past years. I haven't, but just to keep my composure and perform the way I did in the end is really why I think this was my
3: best game. Now talk about good. your growth as a player, because you've been on varsity since you were a sophomore, mm-hmm. correct? So I remember yeah. that as a sophomore, you were here with Amari Jones, and yeah. those guys were here, and, and now they're gone. He's killing at Tulane, and y'all kind of y'all are yeah, a lot younger this year. So mm-hmm. talk about, your, first, your growth as a player, and then secondly, you know how your senior year has gone.
5: I think that a huge thing that took part in my growth is just confidence. You know, as a sophomore coming in with Amari, he took me in under his wing. He was a great teammate, but – I just didn't have the confidence that I have now. I think mean, maybe just due to, like, maturity and stuff like that, and I just feel like I wasn't a team player at first. Like, I just cared about my stats and stuff, and I was running for yards. And as time progressed to now, I just run for my teammates because I love them, and
3: I've grown up with them
5: for years now. That's just, that's just everything. Now talk to me,
3: Talk about that leadership role you've had to, to step into as a senior. You know, so many sophomores on the team that are making impact, or that, have, that are playing big impact roles. You know, you all had a really good freshman team last year. I think they went 9-1 and one or something like that as yeah. a freshman team. And those guys are thrown right into the varsity. Talk exactly. about how you having to lead uh, a bunch of sophomores on varsity. Well, first off,
5: I know exactly how they're feeling because I was thrown right into the fire as a sophomore as well. And I just keep them level-headed, like our sophomore running back, Sean, if he doesn't understand something, like it's a complex concept or anything like that, I just help him out, show him what he needs to do because I see a lot of potential in him, Easton, Zach, and one thing I do in practice is I just go hard. Like if it's a sophomore, I'm not going to take it easy. I'm going to go as hard as I can because that's what they're going to get on Fridays. So I just keep them in check and... Whenever I was like a sophomore, junior, I led by example more than my vocal, but I've started to vocalize more, which is kind of tough for me because like I just like to sit in the back and just do my thing. But I know that I just I have to talk more due to the fact that I'm a senior and I'm
3: willing to talk more. Like the top the team. How would you describe your running style and which NFL running backs do you kind of try and watch and try and emulate your, your name after? You? Well, I just, I'm, I'm a bigger
5: back, so I like to run downhill, I like to punish defenders, so. Three backs that I like to model my game after is Zeke Elliott, garrett Blunt from a few years ago, and then I like Alvin Kamara due to his versatility, versatility, and he's strong as well. So I just I never let one person tackle me. Cause I remember saying that Earl Campbell used to say back when he used to play, he thinks it's kind of like a girlish for one person to tackle you. So whenever I get the ball, I just get downhill and I just
3: I just like to punish defenders. Now, y'all are still in uh, uh, the hunt for the playoffs. You know, a lot of teams are are in that bubble from, you know, two, three to seven really in the, in the standings right now. How mm-hmm. One of those teams, y'all play against them this week, a, a yep. win this week would, would really put y'all in a, a position to possibly make the playoffs. You know, how big is this game Thursday against Little Lone?
5: It's a huge game. We just all have to come prepared because I know for a fact we can beat these guys. We just have to be more physical than them. And if we're more physical, I think we'll come out on top.
1: Big thanks to Cameron Rose for taking the time to chat with Brian for our student athlete spotlight. As we continue to uh, just kind of lay the uh, lay the groundwork for what's shaping up to be a pretty fun last two weeks of the high school football regular season. Uh, we've already talked some 6A, so let's shift gears, talk some 5A now, and we can stick right in Frisco ISD. A much needed win for Frisco Heritage just to maintain pace in the playoff race there, which is I, you got seven teams that are still <laughs> alive in this uh, in this hunt. With um, you know we know Lone Star is is going to be the top seed you know they're for their five and oh they've looked uh, look great um so yeah they're still doing their thing in first place we're going to figure out some some clear just who the second best team in that district is we'll finally get the long-awaited matchup between the colony and independence um first off brian just kind of uh, just talk a little bit about that one kind of how you're feeling heading into into that game
3: Three weeks ago, I thought Independence was the second-best team in this district. <laughs> Today, I think the Colony is the second-best <laughs> team in this district.
4: Shout out to Coach Rangel. Yes. That's my guy.
3: Coach Rangel. I just saw him Friday night. The first thing I go up to him, because I was out of town two weeks ago when they played Lone Star. Rangel, the first thing he says to me is, man, where the hell were you last week? <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah. I told him, I was, like, I was out of commission, but I, I heard all about it, and I got his rundown, his mm. version of it. And, you know, they they could have won. They should have won. He you know, but he, he had some high praise mm-hmm. about Lone Star. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, but, yeah, this, this they, they the Colony really wants the second seed. Uh, Rangel said a, a goal of theirs is, you know, with, with Lone Star, like you mentioned, running away with that number one seed and it doesn't look like anyone's going to beat them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, a point of emphasis for them is to host a playoff game. They want that number two seed. They You know, they, we know how good they are at Tommy Briggs Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, they have the advantage in this one, you know, playing at home. Friday against Independence. Uh, Independence, I mean, they were they were you know pushed up against the ropes by Little Elm and Little Elm um almost. That win would have been huge. That you know that if Little Elm um would have held on because now Wakeland, Centennial, Little Elm, um, and Heritage they're all two and three. Yep. But it's not as tricky as it looks because Heritage is two and three because of the forfeiture. Really, they should be one and four. Um, because you know Independence dropped the game, <coughs> that's why they're three and two. They should be four and one. Really, this this matchup should be four and one <laughs> against four and one. That'd be even juicier. Uh-huh. Uh, but okay, if you look the rest of the way, Wakeland is two and three. They face Centennial, who's also two and three, but. Uh... Wakeland should be the better team. They have more impressive victories. They're they're more talented. They should win there, and then they end the season with Liberty. Oh, five down there at the bottom, winless. What
4: mm-hmm. so, points I
3: saw in first. So, Wakeland. Oh yeah, the Wakeland beat McKinney North earlier this year. They beat the brakes out of Little Elm, and um, they you know they it's lost such a
1: wild result
3: now in hindsight. What Wakeland did
1: against McKinney North.
3: <laughs> it really is. That was what week. Three without their starting quarterback, uh, Dylan Liable.
1: Yeah, four touchdowns over
3: fifty. Years. Yeah, Peyton Lewis, man, he's he's a stud. He did a great job. He was three and one while while Liable was out. Um, and then you look at so Wakeland. Theoretically, they should finish the year four and three. They should get two wins. Um, Independence, you know, they play the Colony of the three and two, uh, and then they close out the season. I think with Centennial. Yeah, they close out with Centennial. That you know that could you know. Put the nail in, in Centennial's coffin there. Um, Little Um, they still have to face the Colony in the final week of the season. They're mm-hmm. two and three, so you know that won't be easy. If they if they beat, uh, they have Heritage this week. And that's no no for sure thing because they barely hung on to be Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Um did and so I, um so yeah. And if, but if they beat the Colony, they deserve to make the playoffs. I don't see that happening as of right now. But and then you look at Centennial, like I mentioned, they have to face you know these these tough teams too. So Little Um and, and Wakeland. so. I'm as of right now, I, I still think it's gonna be Lone Star, the Colony, Independence, and Wakeland. That's mm-hmm. what it should be. Um, but right now everything's all, all jumbled up and looks interesting. Yeah,
1: for your sake I hope I hope so, just because again, much like District Ten Six A, there's some <laughs> massive tiebreaker chaos in the in the makings there for that last week. If results break a certain way this week. Um, over in 75 A Division I this, days, one, I'll <laughs> <laughs> this one, my language. This one definitely got shaken up a bit uh, from this time last week. McKinney North is guaranteed a share of the district title, regardless of what happens against Poti. They are guaranteed a share. Third and third in school history, mm. but
4: I can tell you this: they've been talking about it from week one. Oh, Johnson did told y'all that he was, they were going to be in that district title. Johnson Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> That's new. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, because of, as a, we had our, our off-season predictions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I told it was going to be pro and anyway, McKinney you known for that district title.
2: This
1: yeah, was supposed to for you to drop Johnson-Domas. Can you change the Twitter handle to johnson domus Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> but
4: but uh, <laughs> McKinney wants that outright district title. They yeah. never – discussed the 20th year of the program. They have not got that, so they're still motivated for the Poteen mm-hmm. game. But it's got to be some comfort to walk on that field, knowing you got the district title. And they just had a um, – they have a bye week this week, mm-hmm. so they're feeling good in McKinney. But – um, John Tyler will be a problem. Um, their running back, I forget his name, Coleman. Crawford
1: Katan Crawford. Crawford that guy
4: special. Ketan. He's going to UT and he can help that running back situation this year. He's that good. They need they need him. I was it was good to see him up close. Um Poteet, they took a loss to um West my man never would know, but he was pretty good too. He wasn't as sharp as John Thomas, but we have <laughs> to the top Because <laughs> at
1: the end of the day it's gonna
4: be um Kenny North, uh-huh. Poteet John Tyler Westman
2: ski in the playoffs. Let's we we're to predict. Well, uh, we'll see. I mean it's I, I
4: don't, Sherman. If the game was in Sherman, I would be put, picking Sherman this week.
2: Well, I you know, so. Poteet, it's Poteet's in an odd situation right now because they could be the district champions in the top seed of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They could also finish fourth. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's because all in they, they have they have tough games. Obviously, you know, Kendrick mission, John uh, you know, John Tyler this week, mm-hmm. and McKinney North. I mean, you know, the two top teams right now outside of Poteet. Um and so they, they could finish three and three. And depending, you know, West Mesquite, uh, that was a huge win for them last week in terms of momentum, in terms of confidence. But it's not necessarily the biggest thing in terms of the playoff race because, you know, they play Sherman this week. Sherman and Texas higher at one and 3 mm-hmm. Um you know, so even if West Mesquite beats Sherman and to go to three and two, uh, Texas High is Wiley East. So yeah. you probably pretty much expect them to win to go to two and three. Well, those two teams play West Mesquite and Texas High yep. play in the, in the last week of the season. So Texas High wins that, pulls even with West Mesquite, three and three. If they're if it's a two-way tie. When it's head to head, oh, yeah, now, absolutely. If then drops two games, <laughs> and then you have three teams tied at three and three. Then we get to the fun with the points, and um, you know, Not again, don't worry about
4: that, yeah. <laughs> and again, I believe
2: it's a they 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 were double checking, I believe they told me the other night it was a 14 point cap, okay. Well, West Mesquite got the plus 14 against Potee. Potee already beaten Texas High 55 10, so they're plus 14, but again, I gotta I, I need to double check that because if it's 17. Mm-hmm. then, because again, it changes every couple of years, yeah. um, then that could you know that could play a, a, a factor in it and again, then it would come down to you know, the score of that last game and I think that probably favors the two Mesquite schools because I think even if Texas High were to beat West Mesquite, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be in a blowout and so when they're both sitting there going into that potential three-way tiebreaker at plus 14, I, I think that that last game's going to be close yeah. enough to where the, the two Mesquite teams are going to be, come out in the end.
1: With Poteet, it's really all about what is the status of running back Seth McGowan going forward? Because yeah. you did see and in that game against West Mesquite, just the impact of not having your best player
2: and what that does yeah. to a team like that. And, and you know what? And Poteet still has, they're still a good football team. I, I just, it, And I kind of summed it up in my rapid reaction. You know, the first drive of the game, they go 19 plays, 89 yards or 82 yards, mm-hmm. they get down to the 7-yard line and then they commit a personal foul. And it pushes it back, and then they can't get the, the in this wet conditions. They yeah. couldn't. They miss the field goal, but you know they, they had the ball for eight minutes, run 19 plays, and don't get anything. They had 15 penalties in that game, and every one of them seemed to come on third and one, mm-hmm. on you know on, on just the most inopportune time. So they really just shot themselves in the foot a lot. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yes, Seth McGowan is a huge difference maker, and hopefully he'll be back for those next two games to so they can you know face John Tyler and McKinney North at full strength. Mm-hmm. But even if they don't, they still have their weapons. It's just they've got to eliminate the mistakes. Right. So that was the one thing that just really did it begin. Yeah. And, and again, credit to West Mesquite. West Mesquite. came out with a really good game plan. Even and Ty Jordan, their star running back, was really limited by... Botetee, mm-hmm. but they found other ways. They got creative and they made big plays, and that was the difference in that game.
1: Just a quick rundown of those. Uh, I guess the top uh, six spots in that district. You have McKinney North, all alone in first place at five and zero. You have Botetee and John Tyler tied for second place, at three and one. As you mentioned, they play this week, so we'll figure out some clarity there. You have West Mesquite at two and two in fourth place, um, one game ahead of Sherman and Texas High tied for fifth place at one and three. Brian, let's close this out with a look at seven five A Division two and. I don't know. I don't even. Know, I don't even know <laughs> don't what
4: know. to say. So tell me this: whoever wins at that Lovejoy-Dennison game, do they get in? Yes. Okay, I, I, I was doing a little math. I don't know yes. all the tiebreakers. I'm just looking at what the loser. The loser might not get in, but the winner gonna. Finish. Yeah.
3: Theoretically, there's already a team like Braswell should already be in, and Lovejoy should be in based off of tiebreakers over Reedy. Mm-hmm. So right now, the only way Reedy can get and Braswell it in, is the
1: one over Lovejoy as well.
3: Yes. Yeah. So the only way now, just for Reedy's sake. Mm-hmm. They obviously need to beat Princeton this week, and then that's their final – no, next week. They have a bye week this week, and then they close out the year um, against Princeton. And then uh, they need Denison to lose (sighs) – their neck their final two games. Yeah, just
1: to kind of set the stage here. So we have a four way tie for first place with uh, with two games uh, two games left, two weeks left in the uh, in the season. You have Frisco, Dennison, Braswell and Lovejoy all gridlocked at five and one. Reedy is in fifth place at four and three. So whereas you're thinking, okay, two games back, you know that sounds like a death knell. They're not mathematically eliminated. But the margin for error is they have to win out. They have to I mean they'll they should at least in theory they play Memorial and they play Princeton. But yeah, when you just go through and you calculate the, uh, the record, uh, the head to head records among those top five teams against one another. Um, like you said, yeah, they're just, they are the biggest. Uh proponent of whoever's playing Dennison because they have to stay tethered to Dennison at all costs and that means you know Dennison does have a very challenging close to the season they play lovejoy they play Braswell um, So it could happen for yeah, me.
3: very well it's not happen.
1: out of the question at all but um yeah obviously Dennison just needs one win and among those final two and they're two in, losses. and they're in um otherwise yeah I mean you've got you know said Frisco Denison, Braswell, Lovejoy. I hesitate to say that any any of those teams have like a leg up over the other, just because we have so many matchups that are left uh, between those yeah. top four teams that are going to decide things. Um, let's see. This week you mentioned Kendrick. You know Denison and Lovejoy play. Obviously, going to be a massive
3: swing game in that district. Speaking of Denison, though, that could be interesting because they could be the district champions. They could also finish fifth. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> it is <laughs>
1: wild. Yes, it's very, uh, very, very petite esque, and what the, what uh, the, I guess the uh, the. Uh, the manner of finishes for them um you yeah, Frisco which does have the head-to-head over Braswell and Reedy so that helps as far as at least right now what we know as far as the teams that have the uh, a positive head-to-head record among those uh those top four teams or those top five teams I should say Frisco is two and one against those top five with wins over Braswell and Reedy um let's see uh Braswell is also two and one with wins over Lovejoy and uh and Reedy um 1 and 3 against those top four. So I mean yeah, they've already I mean yeah, the losses. And it's crazy to think now in hindsight like how different it could be if they could just catch a break in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a couple of those matchups. Mm. But nevertheless, yeah, they've, you know, they've made their own bed and their uh their only path to the playoffs though is in a tying with Denison because that's the only team among those top four that they did defeat, um, you know. But they do have the easiest path to the finish line, whereas you know Denison and Lovejoy have very very tough closing stretches. Lovejoy has Denison this week, and then Frisco next week. Um, so yeah, I mean everything is still in play, man. I hesitate to say that any one of these teams is should be favored among the others mm-hmm. for district championship, but. Uh, yeah, this district has been everything and then some. Like we have
3: n- we have no idea who's going to be one. We have no idea who's going to be two. We have no idea three, four. We have no idea. It could, <laughs> it could be so many different ways. It... It really is nuts.
1: Yeah. We can't even use, like, the oh, well, this team should win and whatnot. No. Like, Frisco should take care of Memorial, and then, like, Braswell should take care of Lake Dallas, but I don't know, man. Lake Dallas has been frisky in the second half. They can't, they, they, made a really, they, yeah, they made a really spirited gonna, push they, and they gave.
3: Team, <laughs> they were they, playing for they, a two point 20, conversion. Yeah, they, were, the
1: they scored late and had a two point conversion to potentially tie that game up that they failed on. I mean, they, they made that big second half push against Reedy. I mean, Lovejoy's, uh, they've been an inconsistent as all get out, but, man, they can be. Uh, I hesitate to. To say that, that should be just a cakewalk win for uh, for Braswell.
3: Yeah, imagine winning five games, five district games, and not making the playoffs. Eww, that's that's, that's a kick to the that table. is, that's but okay. that's what happens when you're in a 19 district. It's a, that's a that's, cold world out there, man. Mm. And
4: for the Frisco schools, man, it's brutal in that world. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. So that's, I mean, we're, and not even that, but I mean, like Saridi right now is uh they're four and three in district. I mean, they should be six and three at the end of the at the end of the day, and that still might not be enough. It's yeah. What a district, man. What a district. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else to add. I'm like, I'm almost like Taylor a couple of weeks ago, or I'm starting to like, my brain's starting to hurt a little bit trying to make sense of this one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a look at uh at our three. Uh, Stay
4: tuned, everybody. Stay yeah, tuned. Plenty <laughs> to be decided. But if you need to know something, I can. I, I have full confidence in Devin, my man Murphy, <laughs> and, and Matt can break it down in our respective districts. If you want that inside scoop, or you want Johnson Thomas, you know what's going to happen. <laughs>
3: I like Devin Dawmes better. <laughs> yeah, that, that has <laughs> yeah. a better ring can to it, Can we just freestyling over down. here. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Johnson Dawmes, man, oh, that's awesome.
1: Awesome. That'll uh yeah. <laughs> And that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Um, we'll be back on Thursday to do our usual preview. That means you can go vote on our game of the week. The poll is up on the website, starlocalmedia.com. Five quality matchups. we got a loaded slate of games this week, so, uh, so definitely some stuff that is worth your consideration. We'll be back Thursday to break down whatever y'all vote is the game of the week, plus some of the other marquee matchups in our coverage area. Until then, folks, you keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to y'all later.
0: Looking to hire top talent in your community?